0: Hey everybody, this podcast was recorded in person before the coronavirus COVID-19 safety measures. Some of the upcoming live shows referenced have changed, so please visit cleancomedytime.com for the most up-to-date live event schedule. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. What time is it? Welcome to the Clean Comedy Time Podcast. I'm Aaron Sorrels, And I'm Brian Atkinson. Our guest today is Kara Karachi. Kara is a Detroit-based comic who is one of the producers of the Metro City Comedy Festival, shows up every year in September.
1: So I'm really excited to be here tonight because I'm married. Right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it is fair.
0: Kara Karachi, thank you for joining us on the Clean Comedy Time podcast. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. We're yeah,
0: so glad that you're here. Yeah, thanks for being here. I didn't
1: have a choice. <laughs> you, th- you threw me in your trunk, and here I am.
0: Well. That now that got... that's out.
1: Just got weird. Sorry. That didn't
2: take long at all. <laughs>
0: no, that was easy. We uh, just heard a clip of you uh, talking about your husband, uh, Joel. Yes. There. Uh, so let's let's hear a little bit more about uh, your life with Joel here.
1: My husband and I, we don't see eye to eye and everything, okay? Like, um, he doesn't like the fact that I like to gamble. All right? <laughs> Yeah, I've had lottery tickets every single day. I do, okay? Last week he says to me, he goes, he goes, you know, like what if you won? You know what I'm saying? Like pretend like you won. So I packed my bags I got in my car and I left.
0: Like, oh. How long have you been uh, doing comedy and how are you approaching it?
1: I've been on stages for over... Oh, 25 years, you know, from community theater to uh, forensics in high school. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone knows what that is. It's kind of dorky.
0: Yeah, no, I, I did that too. <laughs> okay, <Of course>. good.
1: <laughs> Woo! I'm not the only one. Um, public speaking, and then I did years of improv. And, and improv is really what led me here to stand-up comedy. Um, love improv. However, the... The organizing, the promoting, the working with a troupe—just um, layers of challenge. You know that we weren't all on the same page. So, getting into stand-up comedy, um, it's easier to manage on your own, right? Um, and yeah, very hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the difference between improv and stand-up, from a just scheduling perspective, is if there's a show somewhere, you can just join up with it and go do the show... Whereas improv, it's like, oh, well, are you available on Thursday? I don't know. Well, Bobby, well Becky's not, but uh, Deborah is, so we can't all... D- but what if we had... So, And you struggle with that a little bit, I imagine. Oh,
1: gosh. A million percent. A million percent. Because I had formed a troupe, and we were practicing and got coaching regularly, and then finally it just was like, wait, you're going to have a baby, and now you've got a career? And then everything was <laughs> like, well, there's just one of me left. I guess that makes me a stand-up comedian. So... You know, it just kind of it, it evolved in that. You even see that with uh, celebrities too. You know mm-hmm. that oh, all of a sudden Chris Kattan is a is a one man show. But um, again, I think it becomes easier to manage on on your own. You don't have to worry about. So that enough. was one of the
2: key driving factors was uh, just easy easy to manage. But was there other things that got you into the stand up end of things?
1: Um, I was eager to learn the art form. You know, it's it's interesting to look back before stand-up comedy and say, oh, um, yeah, these people come up with new jokes every day, right? Must be like that. And then when you start to learn the art form and that in the reality, the art form, I always say it like this. I say, uh, stand-up comedy, it is a blank canvas, and you're constantly tweaking and adding new paint and Um, and adding and taking away and and whatnot. And uh, when I realized that, it was like, oh, okay, I can do that. I can craft and work on some of the same jokes. Um, And it can take the stress off of like, you know, constantly needing uh, new material. Let's just get really good at what you're doing or what you're trying to perfect. I've been talking
0: to a number of different comics and everybody's got their own writing styles. There are some people who... Write out things word for word, and some people who do, uh, you know, kind of an outline or they write nothing down. Where do you fall in that?
1: Yep. Um, In fact, I think it was Dan Curry recently Mm -hmm. had a post on Facebook where he said, Hey, I don't sit down and like journal out my jokes. And I was like, Ah, yes, I feel so much better. Yeah. Uh, Because I'll take it personally that I don't, you know, I'm not dedicating necessarily four hours to writing. I do really well in two places, the car and the shower. I don't know what it is. Don't get any visuals. It's not like that. Um, I drive like this. This is what I look like. Two hands. Two Two hands hands. on the wheel at all (laughs) times.
0: That's a visual translate well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And but, when you said visual, you meant like in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you said the shower, all I could think of is like how do you write in the shower? It's it's really just verbally, I imagine. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Yep, okay.
1: absolutely. I think um I probably would have been diagnosed uh with ADD at some point when I was younger. So when I'm doing things, I I think better which is sure. weird, I have to be multitasking. Yeah, that and makes so- sense.
2: That's 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 very common, I yeah. think is to to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then also that aspect of like being by myself. So oftentimes I've got to drive for an hour and um I sit there and I'll hone and I'll work on a joke in the car saying it out loud. I turn the radio off, um, put, get my recorder out. And that's I'm not saying this is the best way, but right now that's what I've I've been comfortable with um I also do really well in the morning so when nighttime comes it's just I'm like no I can't think of anything you know <laughs> we do
0: all of our performing at night for, yeah for the most part yeah. every once in a while there's an afternoon show somewhere or something but yeah I'm just trying to think I don't I don't think I've done a morning show <laughs> no, anyway no, since no. since I worked on radio and I was yeah. doing morning drive and stuff yeah that uh, yeah i can um i can attest to the that morning time where your brain's just firing better you're not tired from the day of your day job and family and all this stuff uh, uh speaking of family actually uh we we heard a, a little bit of uh of Joel uh but that's not what Joel sounds like
1: yes you're revealing the truth uh. um so i learned uh, from improv i learned that right comedy can be or should be i don't nope. I shouldn't say that.
0: This is... It can be. It it
1: can be. Yes. For me, comedy is physical. It is voices. It's a different... It's a different layers. That's what I I relate to and I thrive on. Uh, I, for that particular joke and for my comedy right now, is that I wanted the audience to be able to see my husband. I also feel that that... My voice, my... Oh, my Guido. My... I'm down the street is very relatable. Incidentally, I do that voice and every woman in the, in the audience can see him, right? They know what I'm talking about. Oh gosh, you're married to one of those doofuses and he probably is fixing your roof. And like, I wanted them to gravitate and relate to it right away. Also, in my head, that is my husband. Like, you know, like he, and my husband's got a voice for me too. And it's like, ah! <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's and I think all I shouldn't say all. I think a lot of us, you know, if you were to do an impression of your um your significant other, it would be dramatically different than who they are. So yeah. that's what so I created out of him.
2: So you're saying that uh there sometimes is a difference between underlying truth and reality you
1: know yes yeah yeah yeah, for sure
0: my wife and i have a deal that anything i do on stage that's involving the two of us has to start with truth has to start with yes this thing actually happened and then take it to a ridiculous extreme and so that's that's our deal i can't just make stuff up about her Uh, but i also do her voice on stage and it is nothing like hers Um, and then i actually apologize for not being able to do her voice because i'm bad at women's voices
1: <laughs> you don't. You won't have a career in that. No, Brian. Has. No, not the women's voices. No,
0: <laughs> can't figure out why. Um, but you also uh, have a, a bit. We're going to play a clip now. This is uh, well, your mother. You have a story about your mother when you were a kid. <laughs> Let's hear that.
1: So much technology has changed. So much. It's especially changed parenting. Um, like. My stepdaughters will just go on Amazon, for instance, and they'll just buy whatever they want, and then it shows up to the house the next day. I'm clueless, No idea, right? Let me tell you a story. When I was five years old, I'm a kid, okay? I go to Target with my mother, and I pick out the most beautiful, sparkly Barbie doll you can ever imagine. I pick it up off the shelf, and I'm holding it, and I'm carrying it, and I'm loving it, and this Barbie's going to change my life. And I get up to the cash register, and I put it up at the cash register, right? And, and I'll never forget, my mom takes one look at me, and she says,
0: We're going to experience that <laughs> and your mother probably does not sound like that
1: <laughs> okay you have not met my mother okay but, uh, <laughs> i think that actually sounds like or or did sound like a lot of moms at one time. I uh, So if I were to really psychoanalyze this joke, there's a couple of things. One, there is a difference in buying and purchasing behavior nowadays due to technology, right? Like that it is truly that I have no idea what my stepdaughters are buying anymore. It is, it's, which is insane to me. Uh, I grew up. Very old school. I probably, I grew up more as if, like, I was, you know, brought up in the 1970s. Very, very old school. Very just penny-pinching mentality. Um, Reusing things. You know, if it's not broke, don't, you know, or don't. What is it saying? (laughs) Don't
0: fix it? Wait, that's not it. Yeah. (laughs) If it's broken, fix it. (laughs) Don't replace it.
1: There we go. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't know that either. <laughs> Cuz
0: that's when I grew up. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, we never got new stuff. It was always no. Yeah.
1: I was the um I, you know, my big joke is I'm I'm uh, the youngest of three girls but my sisters are 10 years older than me so i laugh hey when i got a hand me down i got like 1970s crap like vintage yes yes so my friends were listening to cnc music factory and i was you know still listening to sam cook and smokey robinson and I didn't know, like I watched Laverne and Shirley growing up because I didn't know there was anything else. <laughs> so, so when
2: you're talking about hand-me-downs, you're not just talking clothes; you're talking, talking everything. Oh you had gosh. hand-me-down TV.
1: Oh, wow. oh gosh, we had a black and white TV. My like growing up you guys I'm I'm 37 years old so you have a black and white tv and it's 2009 you've got I mean I it's a
2: couple generations behind yeah Yeah.
1: and it's just how I grew up I had this 1980s banana seat bike for as long as I can remember and um hand me down to my sister uh, that's
2: uh that part of your identity that's really translated to your online presence as well right
1: yes yeah, yeah. So I've always um, naturally then gravitated to anything vintage. I love vintage, and I love old music. And um, yes, I've brought that out. You've seen some of my um, photos that I've had done by Autumn Luciano, who's based out of East Lansing. Terrific Decadence photographer! Dolls. Oh my gosh, she's <clears> fantastic. <throat> um, and uh, she focuses on—I um, shouldn't. She does vintage photography, but she does a a plethora of other things and then i very marvelous miss mazel which was truly an accident it was kind of like wait what yeah because like,
2: actually you, hmm. your online presence was really before marvelous Miss Maisel, it,
1: right? it was yeah right about right about so the that same time she's just riding
2: your uh, coattails she
1: really is <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. oh clearly yeah <laughs> obviously so that's that is um that's kind of what that joke uh what it, what it comes back to and that, you know, my mom being like, are you really? Are you even, are you kidding me? We've got, you have 12 Barbies at home. Like I, like their, you know, their feet are chewed off, but like you have them, get over it. So. I love
0: that the Barbie was going to change your life. <laughs>
1: it's like, this Barbie's going to change my uh, life. Have, you clearly were never a little girl before, Brian. And that's a true story. <laughs> facts Although Only facts on I've this I've recently podcast. been abroad.
2: Hey. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. Wow. It that took me a long yeah. time.
0: Most most of my jokes take the audience a minute. There's a lot of pausing in my stand up. Wait for it. Wait for it. There they go. <laughs> Well, the time has come on our little podcast to take a break, but we'll be right back. Be sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts so it's easier for people to find us and like us on all your podcast favorites. We'll be right back.
2: All right, Kara, I know uh, you've been in this comedy journey for about uh, two years. What's one piece of it that you think is really jumping out and, and going well for you?
1: Getting booked on shows uh, seems to have really come together, uh, especially in this past year. Um, You know, sometimes I like to say it's luck, and then another part of me says, Well, there's a formula to this, and I'm following it. So don't berate yourself, Kara. Don't, you know, don't be upset about that. Also, what I'm getting booked on and how many shows I'm doing a week. Might not be enough for other people for me, I'm still at the stage where I'm hosting a lot, I'm featuring. Um, I the idea of headlining is so far off I you know I don't even think about it at this point, so other comics might look and see what I'm doing and say, "She's not really getting booked a lot, and those aren't really quality shows and and that's fine. <laughs> for me, it feels great. like this is everything i've always I've always wanted.
2: Yeah, and you know it's uh, it's funny whether it's our successes or failures or struggles or whatever uh, we're dealing with, um, none of it is relative to other people. You know nothing. You know when when you talk about, um, man, I'm so happy about the show. Maybe somebody else wouldn't be. It just doesn't matter what what how other people would look at it. It's uh, um, but it is so nice to hear. Uh, this gratitude in your voice about these opportunities that you've had and about the growth that you're experiencing. It is truly encouraging to to hear these great things that are happening. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to tag on to that, Aaron and Aaron, you, you uh, know, me better in this light than anyone else. But you know that um, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I uh, haven't drank in uh four years yay yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. cue
2: the applause right I'm I'm so proud of you about that that is just incredible and it's
1: been awesome meeting you through this journey and I remember starting out with comedy thinking this is I'm not I can't do this I can't do comedy I can't go back to bars are you kidding me like I can't that doesn't line up with who I'm trying to be and everything I've worked on. And then what I found, I remember, I remember uh, very vividly I did, I was promoting a show at a bowling alley. And um, at the end of the night, I realized all the comics had Red Bulls. No one was drinking. And it kind of clicked in my head. I was like, oh, I think I think there's some non-drinkers here. I think I found some of my people, and we ended up talking. And then I found out a few of them uh, were in recovery, and that was a whole other. That was like my shining moment where I was like, "Oh, you know, comedy. I'm I'm gonna find some of my people. Like, I, and I'm gonna gravitate to them." Um, that led me to you. That's led me to other AA shows and conventions, and um, being able to preach that word. I mean that uh, it's it's my my reason for living it really is
2: you know and that nugget of wisdom that nugget of truth that supersedes comedy that's that's everything I know uh, before I was in comedy before I was in recovery um, I felt trapped in this cycle of control where I would go through uh, periods of abuse of alcohol uh, followed by regret followed by avoidance and then and then always followed by compromise and then continued abuse. And when I looked around in the world around me, I wasn't able to find people that were living a life in recovery that had a desirable life that were real people. And, you know, so much of the recovery community is based around anonymity, you know, uh, which is wonderful. But um, for me, looking around, I didn't see that. So that moment that you just talked about, that moment where um, – We look around and we notice, hey, alcohol isn't dominating your life. That's a really special moment. Thank you for sharing that with Mm -hmm. us. Thank you. I had a
0: weird, my experience is really weird comparatively, because I'm finding more and more other stand-ups are like, either they're in recovery from alcoholism, or they're teetering on the brink of alcoholism, or they're full on, and I'm there like, I've never had a drink of alcohol in my life. What? And I.
1: You're missing out. I apparently, apparently, right? <laughs> Nerd. Yeah, right. And so I was that
0: nerdy kid who so was like, so, but I always went to bars with my friends and so on because that's where everybody went. And I just wanted to be there to talk. So I was the guy
2: who was the one sober guy in the room. We don't all have uh, a history of struggles with alcohol, but we do all have a history of struggles. I think that is the one thing that just really. Um, brings us all together as a human race, you know, as a human species, uh, you know, we do struggle. We have pains. We have things that are uh, difficult for us to go through and deal with. It might be alcohol for some of us, and it might be something, something completely different.
0: That's it. We're back and Kara uh, Karachi is still with us. Kara.
1: Kara Karachi, Kara Karachi.
0: And that's sorry. exactly <laughs> what I was hoping we would hear from is uh, you know really how have you been struggling and apparently that voice has been inside of you all this time <laughs> c- crying to get out.
1: Yup, my name. I struggle with my name. <laughs>
0: And, uh, you know, we were talking about um, you've been uh, sober for four years. Uh, Aaron, as the unemployed alcoholic, has uh, that kind of story as well. Um, So uh, you've got some comedy bookings that are going really well. You're uh, getting booked on shows. You've got this really nice persona that you're developing both online and on stage. Um, So what are you actually struggling with on more of a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah, so I think the struggles, see, this is easier to talk about the struggles. Isn't that awful? But the struggles feel like they outweigh the positive, which I can see how easy it is to quit, to just get out of this. Because no. it, it, right? It's like, well, I only see the 10% positive sometimes, but man, it really does outweigh the negative. Um, and that's where you just have to say, keep going, keep going, keep mm-hmm. going
0: say uh, you were just talking a moment ago about how it's uh, there's this push this feeling of like i'm just gonna quit is i know that that's something that every once in a while i'm like i should just quit i just i'm just not where i want to be what where is it there that's uh struggle for you
1: i battle in in every way of my life since I was a kid that nothing is ever good enough uh it's a horrible way to live um it's uh it's also why I believe believe I was an alcoholic because you know a bottle of vodka was never enough it's like what's more what's more what's more um so thankfully with my sobriety I've learned to have just some contentment and that hey if if I'm doing a hosting gig once a month and that's it like that's okay um, you really wow you really have to learn that in comedy that mm-hmm. you there might not be the end of the tunnel there might not be a light at the end this might be it the journey might be it the opportunities might be it and if you're not enjoying that living in the moment and I know it's so cliche but mm-hmm. it's so so True. There is not a two million dollar Netflix contract at the end for everyone. So really you have to enjoy it. And that's where again the A A shows have been huge. I love women's shows. I love when I can talk to women who are married, divorced, single, uh, women who are step stepmothers. All of that it's um, you know, I gravitate to like a, a Joan Rivers where like I'm just gonna say what's on my mind, you know? So um so, but yeah. So my struggles can become. Uh, are, there's a couple of things. One, noise of of whatever's going on in the other comedians' lives and culture and how they feel. And you know, it's um, tough
0: to ignore what another comic's doing. Like, should I be doing that too? Is sure. you find yourself comparing all the time? Sure.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. On. Uh, yep. A hundred percent. Yeah that's that's huge um but i think more so for me is uh f- people forget so this actually goes hand in hand with the noise is mm-hmm. that i like e- both of you have lives outside yeah. of comedy and yeah. that actually is 90% of my life right my full time job uh my stepdaughter's my husband try you know trying oh trying to be a good wife as a female comic and explaining to my husband that hey I'm going to be gone all day till about 6 p.m. at work and then I'm going to go to this comedy gig oh there's going to be a bunch of guys there and I'll be home about 2 a.m. don't wait up like really like try having that conversation (laughs) with your husband
2: that's that's tough yes
1: it's really tough and I I do believe that that is uh, a big piece of why there are less women in comedy. Mm. I don't, I think women are just as funny as men. Some of them are funnier. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't believe in the whole, you know, men or women better this and that or women make less money. No, because I've proved a lot of that wrong. So I know it's not a fact. Um, But that area um, of Having the trust in your relationship um, with your family, with your husband, to go out and do comedy—that is hard.
2: And that's yeah, that's got to be a tough uh, line to to walk because I know your onstage persona is is very boisterous, very outgoing, a, a little flirtatious from time to time. Mm-hmm. It's uh, um, you know, it's that personality. Have you run into problems where either? fellow comedians or audience members approach you in a disrespectful way after that?
1: I have not. Oh, and that's great. I have heard, and oh, maybe <laughs> I'm, but then sometimes I wonder if I'm naive or if I, you know, if things are happening that I don't understand. Um, uh, I have heard some women comics tell me stories and I, I'm floundered by it. Uh, one, I think Again, I'm sober at all my shows, so it's and that's and I'm there to work. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, I'm there to work. I'm there to network and then I wanna leave. Like I don't I'm not gonna have the two AM party with you. You're not gonna come back to my house. It's just it's good, not who yeah, I am.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I know I've seen you at uh at shows and it's just uh absolute professionalism.
0: Kara, you and I had a wonderful experience doing some T V promos about a year ago. Yes. Uh, Our uh, local... Our uh,
1: Super Bowl ad. (laughs) Our our Fox affiliate,
0: Fox 17, uh, shot a few ads, and Karen and I found each other. Um, We had met at a Sunday Night Funnies at one point, and showed up at a couple other shows. And then there was this call out there for, hey, come do this promo, and we both submitted and both got on there and we we're like I know you, we know each other, this will be great and uh, I, I had so much fun working with you there uh, in the studios and so on and I remember the yeah, the mom uh, ad and then another one ran and then there was this silence for several months and I'm like well I guess they're not going to run the one that I was on
1: but they were saving it for the Super Bowl
0: and so there we were <laughs> uh, I was the the boss and you were the overly competent uh, woman in the office who actually did everything and I was panicking and um, I've had so many people come up to me and just say oh I saw you on TV and um, because you don't live locally I want you to know that everybody sees these and everybody is talking about it Um, and it's, it's just been a lot of fun to watch those show up to the point that I was doing a show in a bar with screens on and our promo showed up On screen, and people are looking at the screen and pointing, and they're looking at me and pointing, and looking at the screen and pointing, hey, wait, hey, yeah. It's like it's a recording. You can be in two places at the same time when there's a recording.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is so cool. (laughs) That's
0: been really fun.
1: That's really great. Yeah.
0: Uh, So tell us, uh, just give us a little plug here. We've got the Motor City Comedy Festival coming up in September. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so Motor City Comedy Festival, it's a four-day weekend. It's Thursday through Sunday. takes place in uh, Detroit bars, Hamtramck bars. This will be our fourth year, and it is comedians from all over the nation. And then um, we bring in some headlining acts. Last year we had Chris uh, Gethard um, which I'm sure many of you know. Uh, we've had, of course, David David Landau and mm-hmm. uh, Tony Hinchcliffe. Um, so it is just getting bigger and bigger and better. We've had some great sponsors. Um, we've involved uh, AWOL Theater. Uh, just wanted to give them a shout out because sure. I'm a big fan of theirs. Um, here on Capital um, uh, helped sponsor. So it's been really great getting the community involved um, involved and uh you know what i look at i'm like gosh we're less than five years old there's still so much opportunity to grow um so yeah Yeah. looking forward to seeing everyone oh
0: terrific thank you very much yeah kira thank you so very much do
1: you mean that (laughs) <laughs> Boy, it, you know, it, is always, Fire.
2: <laughs> it is always so much fun to see you uh i have to tell you this uh, i appreciate you so much coming by to chat with us i appreciate what you do on stage i appreciate uh what you do just uh as as uh as a confident powerful woman out there uh representing yourself to everybody so thank you for being here thank you for being who you are uh really truly appreciate you
1: thank you and i'm gonna i'm gonna say right back at you because i've worked with um aaron and brian uh several different levels at right dr grins and the aa shows and laugh fests and oh my gosh right down from the videography that you guys do and putting on this podcast and the shows um Same thing. I have absolutely loved working with you guys. I know last year I gave you guys a huge shout out on Facebook. Um, I hope everyone gets the opportunity to work with you guys. So because you really set a standard and a high bar. So thank um, you. I truly mean that. I didn't script that, Aaron. (laughs)
2: Thanks for listening to the Clean Comedy Time Podcast.
0: We bring comedians together performing their clean material at showcases, fundraisers, and other events.
2: Our shows are free from coarse language and topics. They work for anyone, anywhere.
0: Check out cleancomedytime.com to find an upcoming show or to bring Clean Comedy Time to you.